Hallelujah, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. 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 Holy Gospel according to Matthew from the 28th chapter. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. The Gospel of the Lord. According to St. Matthew... These are the first and only words that Jesus spoke to his male disciples after his resurrection from the dead. Unlike Luke and John, who have Jesus meeting on multiple occasions with his followers after his resurrection, or walking with them along a road, or dining with them in intimate settings, Matthew has just this one encounter. He just says that Jesus appeared for a few moments to Mary Magdalene and the other Mary on the day of his resurrection, just long enough to tell them to go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. And then Matthew reports that the chief priests and the elders bribed Roman guards to say that Jesus' followers had come during the night and taken his body. That's all we have as the scene opens in our gospel reading for today. And frankly, it leaves me a little bit surprised that the disciples actually went ahead to Galilee, as they were told. While their reputations were being tarnished and while they were still, I'm sure, fearful and living with a lot of possible guilt uh, over abandoning Jesus in his hour of need, the disciples did what sometimes matters most. They showed up. And then I love the realism with which Matthew describes what happened next. When they saw Jesus, he says, they worshipped him, but some doubted. It is possible, I suppose, that Matthew is actually dividing up the disciples into two groups here, those who worshipped Jesus and those who doubted. But that isn't how I read it, actually. I think that Matthew is actually saying that some of the same disciples who worshipped Jesus also were doubting at the time. That interpretation isn't so cut and dry, but I do think it is much closer to the reality that we know in our own lives of faith. If you just ask yourself, do I ever 
come to worship without any doubts at all? Am I ever at a place in my faith where I question God even while I still love and trust God? Am I ever in my life of faith of two minds when it comes to matters of faith or discipleship? When I looked up the Greek word that is translated as doubt here uh, in the sentence, the word is distazo in Greek, and it was interesting to see in the lexicon that it carries a sense of standing in two places at the same time, or of being of two minds. And I don't know about you, but that does seem to describe an experience that I often have as a person of faith. And that's especially true when it comes to mysteries like the one that is celebrated on this special Sunday of the church year. Because I think at its best, the doctrine of the Holy Trinity is a faithful attempt on the part of followers of Jesus Christ to describe something that will always be beyond our imagination and beyond our comprehension. In a recent post, a doctor of theology who's also recently served as president of one of our Lutheran seminaries wrote, I have said for years that A, I don't fully understand the Trinity. B, I don't expect to. This side of the eschaton, he says, which is meaning the, the time when Christ fulfills finally his work among us. And C, I tend not to trust those who say they do. I didn't take that as a denial in any way of the truth that God is the creator of heaven and earth and the word made flesh in Jesus and the Holy Spirit. But to me, it just seemed like an honest statement that acknowledged our limits as human beings to ever fully understand God, no matter how hard we try. We'll never know what the disciples were doubting when they saw Jesus that day. Was it his real presence? Was it his power? In the end, all that we can do is stand with them in their worship and in their doubt, eager and maybe even anxious to hear what Jesus has to say to all of us. And then it comes, the first word of the risen Lord to his followers. And it sounds a lot like the first word of God to Abraham, and the first word of God to Moses. Without any scrutinizing of their faithfulness or character or even their belief, Jesus says, go. Go be the people that I have called you to be. Go do the work that I have called you to do. In the end, it seems that God's greatest concern is getting things done that God wants to see happen in this world. Maybe there were people with fewer questions than Abraham and fewer reservations than Moses and fewer doubts than these disciples. But there were also people who needed to be blessed now and people who needed to be freed from slavery now and people who needed to be fed, hungry people who needed to be fed, sick who needed to be healed. On the day that Jesus 
appeared to his disciples, there were sinners who needed to be forgiven, lowly who needed to be raised up, and children of God throughout the world who needed to be baptized and to be formed in faith. So Jesus said, go. And through this living word, we hear that for us today as well. For all of us who gather here, perhaps all different stages of our own faith, and God says to every single one of us here today as well, go. Go be my people. Go do the work that I have called you to do. Because here, in this place, today, as we gather here, there are people who need to hear God's liberating word of grace for their lives. There are people today here who need God's healing that can be given in and through people like you and me, even as imperfect as we may be in our faith. Here in this town, there are people who need to be housed and fed. There are people crying out for justice. There are people longing for peace. There are people needing to be sheltered. There are people seeking community. Today, in this world that God loves, there are victims of discrimination and abuse. There are people trapped in wealth and in privilege. And in this and every part of the world, there are creatures on the verge of extinction and entire ecosystems at peril. Yes, it is a beautiful gift when the Holy Spirit grants us faith and when our doubts are replaced by trust and in hope. But as important as those gifts are, they are not the prerequisite for discipleship. Because if that were the case, very few of us would ever be asked to do anything on God's behalf. And I will admit that the task seems overwhelming. Just writing that little preliminary list of urgent needs that I just stated made me feel like I can never do enough and that I should never take a break. It also made me feel very inadequate, very unprepared, not to mention guilty about all of the things that I don't go and do every day. But that is the law speaking to me and not the gospel. The law says, go save the world or else. And the gospel says to me, go be my presence in the world that I am saving, knowing that I am with you always, and that my power and that my authority is given to you in this loving command. The gospel says to us from God, go knowing that this is my mission, not yours, and that I will accomplish it in my holy time and in my holy way. When I hear that, I feel a new freedom. I know that there will be times when my worship is mixed with doubt, that I will continue to worship a God who I can never fully understand. But I feel energized when I hear this, when I hear this promise that God can use me now as I am to do the things that truly matter, that need to be done for God's work to be accomplished in this world. That's the promise that is given to all of us along with this holy call 
It's the promise given to us also as a congregation, as we remember now going forward after our meeting last week, what it means to be a people and a place for God's grace, people who are claimed and called by Jesus Christ to worship and to witness and to learn and to serve and to reach out with words and deeds of love.